We just want the visitation, don't we? We just want the the chills and the worship service. Aren't we selling short the purposes for which Jesus died if we're not willing to be a habitation? That the Spirit of God may dwell richly in us. That He may take the title of the homes of our hearts and decorate it however He wants to. Everyone has those seasons in life when you want to give up, let go, throw up your hands and just cry for help. If you feel like you can't do it all, it's because you're not meant to. In this teaching, Pastor Daniel explains the need for the Holy Spirit, who's meant to come alongside you and be that help. In a culture where everyone wants to proclaim their own truth, there is only one. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 15, with part one of his message entitled, The Missing Link. You know, in every culture, at every point in history, there are some specific things that are going on that you can tell just by looking at the statistics of a culture. And when you look at what's going on in America, even right now, the statistics tell us something very interesting. If you were to look at um, religious affiliation right now in America, you will find that the fastest growing religion in America is the people who would call themselves spiritual but not religious. That's the fastest growing religion in America. People who are spiritual, but not religious. And, and, you know, for a lot of you, you know that I just moved up from the San Francisco Bay Area, which maybe is the hottest of the hotbeds of the spiritual, but not religious community. Now, it's interesting that that's the way that they would call themselves. I'm spiritual, but not religious. If you ever talk to somebody, oh, well, what do you believe in? Well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. So for me, what I always do is I always ask the question, well, what does that mean exactly? And if you ask that question, you'll normally get something like, well, I do yoga. It's a pretty common answer, right? Like, I do yoga. Or they'll say something like, well, you know, nature is my church. You've heard that before? You know, when I'm hiking on the gorge, that's that's my church. What's interesting about this is that when you think about what people are saying, that this is my, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, doing yoga isn't spiritual. It's physical. If you think about it, calming yourself down and trying to hold yourself in a pose for no matter how long or how flexibly, you're just being in your body. There's really nothing spiritual about it. There's nothing transcendental about it. There's nothing ethereal about it. It's just being human. When when someone were to say something like, well, you know, nature is my church. Well, church in the Greek literally means a called out assembly of people. Nature is my called out assembly of people. See, people want to be spiritual. They want to have their hearts enlarged. 
to the reality that there is something greater than themselves. If you were to ask people 150 years ago when the enlightenment was in full swing, they'd say science is going to do away with humanity's need for religion. That didn't work. Religion is even more popular now than it maybe ever was. So you have this one group of people, the spiritual but not religious crowd. And I'm sure there's some, maybe some people here today, either sitting in the sanctuary, listening online. You're like, yeah, that would be me. I'm spiritual but not religious. But you know, there might be even a bigger problem. And this speaks specifically to us as Christians, that there's a whole lot of people who are religious, but they're not spiritual either. That they are, their lives are surrounded by religiosity, religious things that they do, but yet you're like, where is the spiritual end of this? They have, they have everything in its nice little box. They have all these rituals and all these things that they do. It's very religious, but it's not spiritual. And as we've been talking about here in this series on knowing God, Pastor Bill last week was talking about getting tight with Jesus. And it's really easy to hear a message like that, one that was very, very good. If you weren't here, you need to get it on CD or pop it in on YouTube and you can listen to it. But it's so easy to walk away from a message like that and think to myself, you know, I need to do a better job. I need to pull myself up by my religious bootstraps and I need to get this thing going. But I'm here to tell you today that that is not Jesus's prescription on how to get tight. And we're going to spend the whole day talking about it. The missing link in divintimacy or what we, that's the word we created, divintimacy, divine intimacy, intimacy with God, divintimacy. The missing link in divintimacy is the Holy Spirit. The missing link in divintimacy is the Holy Spirit. True spirituality as God intended it comes through the ministry, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to spend our whole day looking at it this morning. So we're going to be picking up in John's gospel, the 14th chapter. And we're going to be picking up in verse 15. So I encourage you to open in your Bible and read along. It says this in verse 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, we're going to hold off on verse 15 for just a couple minutes where Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, because we're going to get into that in a couple of minutes. But beginning in verse 16, Jesus says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit is a gift for our help. The Spirit is a gift for our help. In order to even begin a discussion on who God the Holy Spirit is, we have to begin with the reality that the Holy Spirit is bestowed as a gift. You cannot work for the Holy Spirit. You cannot fly a special anointed preacher in from somewhere and you can't lube up the, the pews with holy oil. 
and get some sound effects. The Holy Spirit like a rushing wind. I've heard about this stuff going on in churches. I heard about a church that in, in a charismatic renewal service actually turned on their sprinklers a little bit. Listen, you can't gimmick the Holy Spirit. He's God. You can't try and drum up the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is bestowed upon us from Jesus as a gift. And it is commonly said that faith, true believing faith, are the hands that receive the free gift of God. So the Holy Spirit, he is a gift that is bestowed upon us. And we're going to spend our whole morning unpacking this. But he's not just a gift in, in plain terms, but he is a gift for our help. That word here where it says he will give you another helper. In the Greek, that's the word parakletos. And a, and a parakletos or a paraclete simply means to be called to the side of as for the purpose of helping. That's why it's translated helper. Some of your translations have advocate. Some of your translations have comforter. It's all the same concept. Somebody who is called to the side of. Now, if you think about it, that word para, you hear it a lot in the Bible, like parable. You guys know Jesus spoke in parables. That's a transliteration of the Greek. Para means alongside. And balo, as we get our word ball, it means to throw alongside. That's what a parable is. You're using very common pictures in a culture to teach a greater truth. So you take the great truths of God and you throw it alongside something very common like somebody sowing seed in a field or a shepherd with his sheep, a parable. So you have a parakletos. It's called to the side of somebody as an advocate. Now, I don't know about you, but we live in a day and age where sometimes you just want to throw up your hand and say, can I get a little help, please? You ever feel like that? A little help, please. The Holy Spirit, a gift for our help. See, God doesn't expect us to do it on our own. Why? Because he knows we can't. God knows that the reality of what the abundant life in Jesus should look like is outside of our grasp on our own. So he doesn't leave us to our own devices. There is the promise of another helper who is a gift. This is the Holy Spirit. Now, in these verses also, look at what else you get here. It says, I will pray the Father, verse 16, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In these verses, we find this, that the spirit is truth eternally indwelling. The spirit is truth eternally indwelling. I'm going to unpack these. I realize that I pearl stringed a bunch of words together. Truth eternally indwelling. These are, this is exciting. It begins with, Jesus says, the spirit of truth. We live in a postmodern society. That's what philosophers would call the prevailing worldview of the average person in the West. And in postmodernity, they have what I like to call the Pontius Pilate problem. Do you remember Pontius Pilate? He said to Jesus, what is truth? 
And we live in a day and age in the West where everybody thinks that truth is a relative term. Like, well, that's your truth. I have my own truth. You guys have ever heard this before? Now, the first thing we need to say is that that is not a universal way to view the world on this globe. It's purely a Western view. We have our own cultural goggles. And so the idea is this, that we can just... It's like choose your own adventure of truth. You can just decide whatever it is that you want to believe. That's your truth. I got my truth. Who are you to tell me your truth is better than my truth? My truth beat up your honor student truth. Whatever, you know. But the reality is this. There is truth. You can imagine. We're up in Portland, up on on one of the high buildings. I'm standing on the roof and I say, guess what? Your truth may be that gravity exists, but that ain't my truth. My friends from New Jersey, if we were doing that, they'd say, well, then prove it, buddy. Good friends, you know what I mean? It's like, if you think so, then prove it. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'll prove my truth. And you take one step off that building and what happens? Kerplunk. Arrivederci, Daniel. Adios, right? Because right as you take that step off that building, gravity kicks in. And I pick up speed on the way down. There is eternal truths in this world. And just because our culture says, well, I can develop my own truth, doesn't mean that that's a reality. I guarantee you, you know, it's funny. If you think about your grandparents, and no matter what age you are, you can think about your grandparents. Don't you think about the things that they believed and you think to yourself, how is it possible that they could believe something so absurd? Right? You think about the way, I mean, my mother was the first person in her family to get a college degree. And, and she was the first person in her family to get an advanced degree. And she had aunts, in-laws who said, you'll be a terrible mother because you're educated. We think that that's a little nuts, right? As if education, you know, is disproportionate with being a good, loving parent. But guess what? A lot of our grandparents believe that. I guarantee you that our grandkids are going to think to ourselves, how in the world did they think that truth was relative? How in the, is there anything more philosophically indefensible than such a position? Because there's truth all around us at every corner. God cares about the truth so much that he wants the truth to live within us. Jesus is talking about truth all the time. Didn't he just say in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I mean, it's a great thing to believe that every road will lead to the top. But it's not the truth. Because if it was the truth, then Jesus would never have died on a cross in the first place. The Spirit is truth. But it's, but He's truth eternally, eternally indwelling. Look at these verses here. It's beautiful. In verse 16, he says, he will abide with you forever. In verse 17, he will dwell with you and be in you. And in verse 18, it shows why, because Jesus cares for his people. The spirit of truth will abide with you forever. He will dwell with you and be in you. This is different from what had been going on in the Bible before. 
In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would visit people at a specific time for a specific work. You get, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon somebody to do something very specific. So in the Old Testament, the goal was visitation. But in the New Testament, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, the goal is not visitation, it is habitation. And you and I, we shouldn't be content with just a visitation of the Holy Spirit, but we want our lives to be a holy habitation where the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us forever. This is true spirituality, brothers and sisters. Listen, this is real spiritual living. It's not, listen, I get a couple goosebumps when I hear the the breaking of the waves, and, and, and you know, when I'm in the quietness of nature, I finally can hear my own thoughts rather than the, you know, the ticker tape thoughts of my culture. True spirituality is when the eternal, true and living creator God chooses to take up residence in the hearts of people. For many of us, we just want the visitation, don't we? We just want the the chills in the worship service. Aren't we selling short the purposes for which Jesus died if we're not willing to be a habitation? That the Spirit of God may dwell richly in us. That He may take the title of the homes of our hearts and decorate it however He wants to. That he may come and say, look, this is my purpose in your life. This is what I have for you. This is true spirituality. This is the abundant life that Jesus spoke about. But where are we at? When was the last time you said, Holy Spirit, this life is yours. Overhaul what you will. I mean, for a lot of us, we just want the Holy Spirit to go get a cup of coffee most of the time. Just give us a little privacy. You know, I got this thing I want to do. You know, Holy Spirit, why don't you go to the grocery store? I'm going to stay here and do dumb things on my computer, watch movies that aren't getting me anywhere. Be involved in things I ought not to be involved in. The Holy Spirit is truth eternally indwelling. Now, in the middle of verse 17, we learn something else. Look at what it says. It says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, if you also look at verse 27, you get a similar concept. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In the middle of verse 17 and in verse 27, we realize that the Spirit is a distinction maker. The Spirit is a distinction maker. What I mean by that is this, and this frustrates 21st century Western culture, where the culture doesn't like to make distinctions. And in a lot of ways, the reason we don't like to make distinctions is because we have an overarching entitlement mindset. All of the research coming out of the sociological field and the psychological field, all is dealing with the excessive entitlement and narcissism of 21st century Western culture. When we hear entitlements, of course, we put it into political terms right now, right? It's like some of you, if you're, if you're exceedingly conservative, you're like, oh yeah, entitlement, those occupiers, 
you know, and, and the big government entitlement stuff. Entitlement means that you just deserve it by nature of who you are. And most Americans believe that their entrance into the life of God and heaven comes just by nature of being human. It's textbook entitlement. But Jesus will never allow that position. He'll never allow you to say, listen, you're human. There's this place for you at the table. Over and over again, he makes the distinction. He makes the distinction. He says, look, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because the world is not on the spirit's wavelength. So there is a distinction that's made. And I'm going to say this as clearly and as pointedly as I can. And for those of you who know me, you know that I never have a problem doing that. Just like kind of laying it right out there. Just like, let's get to the brass tacks of this thing. Is look, you are either in the spirit or you're in the flesh. There is no gray area. Jesus said you either gather with me or what? Or you scatter. In the parable of uh, the gates, right? You either enter through the narrow gate or you enter through the wide gate. And this is an important distinction because the Spirit of God is a distinction maker. And we have to ask ourselves, is our lives the reality that we are either the Spirit's Or we are not. And for some of us, we have to be careful because we know that we're born again, but we're making decisions that have no bearing on the reality of the Spirit. In the book of Ephesians, that's called grieving the Holy Spirit, where you have the Spirit indwelling you and you're decorating your house in a completely different way. The Spirit of God makes a distinction between those who are God's And those who are not. Now, in verse 19, as we continue, look at what it says. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Man, do you see what it says at the end of verse 19? Because I live, you will Live also. The Spirit unifies us with life. The Spirit unifies us with life. This is teaching something very important for us. Remember I just said that the Spirit makes distinctions? And now I say the Spirit unifies us with life. There is, you guys remember the movie, The Night of the Living Dead? You guys remember that? I don't remember it. It was a little bit before my time. But you guys remember Thriller, Michael Jackson? Yeah. See, we have this idea that in those movies, there are people who are dead, but they're alive, and they're walking around, and in Michael Jackson's case, they're dancing and getting their groove on. You know what I'm talking about? There is a way to be human that it's as if you're living, your heart is beating, you're talking, you're walking, you're shopping, but you're really dead. Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts, this is the life God intends for us. As Pastor Daniel explained today, when we're unwilling to become a habitation for the Lord, we're selling ourselves short of a relationship with Him. True spirituality isn't a feeling, but a practice of welcoming and submitting to God. 
Many people claim their spirituality in other places, but as scripture tells us, there is only one way. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, we'll hear what happens when people walk through life as if they're alive, but they're really dead. Jesus wants to enable us to live our lives with the fullness He intends, with the Holy Spirit manifest in our lives. The Spirit not only promotes love in our hearts, but speaks to us in a way that brings us closer to Him, allowing us to eliminate those things that are wrong and choosing another way. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this message entitled, The Missing Link. 